Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Welcome to the Inspirational Australians by Awards Australia podcast, doing things a little bit differently today. And we've got not just one Inspirational Australian joining us, we've got three and uh, in fact, you could potentially extend that to four because we've got the lovely Heather Wagler from Transgrid joining us. Um, Transgrid's one of our sponsor partners, and so we do thank Heather for joining us. But to our guests, to the three young people that very recently we were able to announce as winners in the seven years Young Achiever Awards for New South Wales and ACT for this current year, 2020, we had Sophie Wills. She's studying in that area in paramedics. And on top of that, she used that passion to really make a difference in her community. And it's just an example of a young person who was inspired and motivated by something and they're really following their dreams from a career standpoint. And that's leading into their personal and community life, which is fantastic. So Sophie was the winner of the New South Wales Ministry of Health Healthier Communities Award. And we're joined by her today. Sophie, are you happy to jump in and say hello? Yeah, hi Josh, hi everyone, how are we? Yes, we're well. Now, the second of the three winners we've got here is Harpreet Dillon, someone who's so passionate about social justice and inclusion and everyone getting the same opportunities and the same rights. And, you know, the Australian spirit, I think, can be summed up as people having a fair go. And that's what Harpreet wants for everyone. So Harpreet was the winner of our first National Real Estate Leadership Award. Harpreet, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Josh, and Awards Australia. Third of our awesome inspirational young Australians was the winner of the Transgrid Indigenous Achievement Award. And on top of that, he was later announced as the Young Achiever of the Year for the New South Wales and ACT. That is Steve Fordham, who, again, is such a successful person from a business standpoint, from a community standpoint. He is a leader not only amongst his community and First Nations people, but for all Australians and in his industry as well. So, Steve, thank you for joining us as well. Uh, thanks for having me, Josh. Absolute pleasure. So what we'll do is we'll get into a couple of questions for everyone. I might throw a few questions uh, at each of you first, and then we'll open it up um, to get a bit of discussion. And as I said, we are joined by Heather from Transcript, and I know she has some questions for Steve, who was the winner in the category that her company, Transcript, sponsors. So, Steve, I've just thrown to you, we'll, we'll go back to you now. What, what a night for you on uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had the New South Wales Young Achievement Awards presentation, which was online. You know, firstly, was it a bit of a weird situation to kind of have to, you know, jump on a Zoom call to accept an award like that? Yeah, look, it was, it was actually really, um, it was a different way of things. And I think we're living in a different way of society, uh, especially throughout this year. But I was actually up for Young Achiever of the Year for New South Wales um, Seven News, but the night before that, I was actually up for New South Wales Mining, and I actually won it as well for Young Achiever of the Year for that as well. But they'll actually both the similar way of the conferences. And look, I think it's something different. It's, um, it's a bit less pressure too to go out and get dressed up and probably save it in the pocket. But look, it's 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 just how it is nowadays, and I think it's just one of those things we've just got to accept. But it was um, look, it was an amazing night, and there was so many amazing young achievers there that were up for for the finalists and that and um. Look, I, I think it's just a great thing that we live in a society, and especially with these uncertain times, it's going to be youth that are going to be able to help try and get us out of this predicament and, and get this economy spinning and, and get people back into jobs. For sure. And speaking of jobs and the economy, you know, BlackRock Industries 
is a is a great kind of segue into that because tell us a bit about your company, how it started, and, and who you employ. So BlackRock Industries started with uh, twenty thousand dollars in a little old tipper truck. Uh, we kicked off in 2016 on my 25th birthday. Throughout the time, we've been largely Indigenous employed. We uh, turned it into a million dollar company in its first year, multi-million by the second year, now Australian-wide presence uh, across the board. But um, look, we we don't, at our company, we have a saying, we don't find the best people, we create the best people. So what we try to do is find youth that haven't had those opportunities to get them into the workplace. We've also kicked an incarceration program off. So, so far to date, we've funded 39 participants into our inmate program, incarceration program. We've only one return back to prison. So we actually employ guys while they're in jail, bring them out on works release. They get an opportunity to work in the community, save some funds up and get that opportunity to learn what working is like. And then when they actually get out, we help them find opportunities of employment and ways of progression in the future. That's incredible, Steve. What was you know, the reason for or the catalyst for starting something like that? Because it is quite uh, unusual, but very innovative. So, so we had a guy, uh, when we first kicked off, it was trying to find the right employees. And we had a guy that got out of jail, who's out of jail for around six months. Uh, we gave him a, uh, an opportunity to come work for us. And it was about four or five weeks into his employment. I was driving down the main street on a Sunday. I see this guy working, walking down the street with his orange work shirt on, his blue jeans, his uh, work boots and his gloves keeping it on his side. And I said, why are you working, wearing your work uniform on a Sunday? And I thought he was might doing a few cashies and that on the weekend and that. And um. He went quiet and then I asked him again and he turned around and he said, when I wear this uniform, I've actually got pride in who I am. He said, I walk into shops, people don't follow me around anymore. He said, old people don't hold their handbags when I walk past, they smile. He said, I've actually got a purpose in life. So when I'm on Facebook, I can actually putting photos up of who I am and what I'm proud to be. And I took a, took something out of that and I thought, well, look, this is exactly what we should be doing because when I left school, I was dyslexic. I struggled with every barrier I could and without the support of a really amazing family and a really amazing community, I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and I feel like in life we go forward but sometimes we have to look back and help the next people generation go forward as well yeah that's awesome and well said steve just about everything you know i think a lot of people could go into business and just be satisfied with that but what you've done is you know go into it and looked at how you can help others how you can impact other people's lives and that's yeah it's absolutely incredible we've actually um, got a commitment now of 150 more guys over the next three years so we've incarceration rates we're very largely represented within the prison system uh, my goal is to actually drop recidivism by ourselves by 5% within the next three to four years. And I reckon we can do it. I reckon we can um, change the world and try and help our mob get that better chance in life to go forward. So, Yeah, that, that's incredible, Steve. Has a uh, quick question around you know, COVID and has that affected your, um, I think I said infected, <laughs> Freudian sleep, I meant to say affected. Has it affected the way that you've been able to you know, run this program with, um, with yes. you know, people who've been incarcerated? Yes, yeah, so with the recent thing, um, all our guys that actually come on work to release have been pulled up for the last six months. Um, so we're now getting a lot of guys that have just left prison, so to find opportunities for employment for them. But look, it has been a tough time on all, all sides of the business, but it's one of those things where luckily we're in a nice rural area, so we're in a bit of a bubble at the moment. We haven't had any COVID cases, so it has helped us a fair bit. But it's like everything, it changes the way we operate day to day. But it's also brought up some um, really big things. I know our, our flu season and all that sort of stuff around has actually dropped off a fair bit because people are taking more um, precautions when they're going down the street and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's one of those things, it's a tough time on everyone and we all we all have bad days. I'm just sort of glad that we're not like some areas that are on full lockdown. Look, our guys are still progressing and we're, we're going to come out of this stronger, especially with some of the, the new budget with the infrastructure stuff that's coming out with the federal government. Yeah, for sure, Steve. And uh, we'll come back to you in a minute and find out a bit more about um, some of the other things you're working on. But uh, I want to go to Sophie now and ask, you know, on that topic, you know, Steve, is, you know, I mentioned in the intro that you're passionate about 
your community and, and your studies and they, how they join together. Can you tell us a bit about the Community DFib project, Sophie, and you know how that all started and, and I guess what the idea of it? Yeah, Josh, so the Community DFib project, I can't actually remember when I first spoke to someone about the need for defibrillators in living in a small community, Wiseman's Ferry. It's 75 kilometres north-northwest of the CBD, but it's still a really long way from help in the event of a medical emergency. So I can't actually remember the first time because there was always, I guess, a common understanding of a need for more medical support and more medical assistance within our community. It wasn't until 2018 when I was studying my second year of uni and there was actually a member of the public who was actually one of my friends who suffered a sudden cardiac arrest um, and tragically he passed away. And it's kind of that point that I said, no more, um, I'm going to try and get a defibrillator because even as, as a paramedic and with all the knowledge and tools kind of being brought to me by uni, I didn't have that piece of equipment that would improve that sudden cardiac arrest outcome. Went to see the um, Dr. Paul Simpson from Western Sydney Uni, who was my lecturer at the time, and he's the head of the academic program um, for paramedicine at Western Sydney Uni. I went to see him about purchasing one defib. I wanted a contact to um, purchase a community defibrillator. Had no idea kind of what that meant. And I was just really lucky that um, Paul sat down and he said, one defib, that's not going to be sufficient or enough. And then we looked at different statistics, like with a, when a sudden cardiac arrest occurs and for everyone at home, that's when someone's heart stops. So essentially they, they stop breathing and they become un unconscious. And when that happens, with every minute that goes past without a defibrillator, without that um, care being activated, the chance of survival is reduced by 7 to 10%. So in layman's terms, that's about 10 minutes. You've got up to 10 minutes without a defibrillator for survival. We then started talking about all the, the fact that we'd need lots more than one with a ferry and a river. And if you look at the geography of Wiseman's Ferry, there's three ferries and a, a bridge and all different kinds of stuff. Um, and I was lucky enough to be introduced to Carpet Hughes from the defib shop, who's an intensive care paramedic like Paul, Paul Simpson is. And we put in for a grant, but to tell you the truth, we were looking for about a year before we even had any success in terms of securing that funding. And then we got funding for $35,000. Um, and today we've got 22 defibrillators and plenty more coming. So I guess ask for one defib and you shall receive. 22 <laughs> and 22. more. So a great example of, you know, from a small idea how something much bigger can happen. We finished up with receiving the grant money for, and that got us about 20 defibrillators. Then we started getting a lot of interest from members of the public about how can we support you? How can we, um, with sponsorship, donations. And at the start of the year, we made the decision to become the Community DFib Project as, as a whole. So not just Community DFib Project Wiseman's Ferry, but Community DFib Project to then expand across many other communities. So the same concept and the same um, template, so to speak, can be taken for what we've done for Wiseman's Ferry and um, installed in our other communities. Yeah, so Sophie, that is really important to have that, like you said, the multi-dimensional approach where you've got people from all different kind of experiences and and you're right like if I was faced with a that situation I would need to know or the instructions be clear on how I can use it so 
they're something I never thought about before. You know, it's, it's all good to have them out there, but it needs to be easy to use. Harpreet, we might cross over to you for a second. Just did want to mention the uh, online event that we had for the Young Achiever Awards, specifically when you were announced as the first National Real Estate Leadership Award winner, Harpreet. I can recall you were a little bit speechless, and I think you were genuinely shocked. And, you know, some people say, oh, I didn't expect to win this, but I think that was 100% the case for you. Yeah. Oh man, it definitely was. Wasn't expecting it. I like it was a situation I thought that yeah, clearly someone else was going to win it. And just like for me, this was the first ever award I ever applied for and ever got the courage to uh, apply for it. And it really put a stamp in my life where I finally valued myself and my achievements and what I've done as a person as well as a uh, active citizen um, fighting for change in this um, world and I was just very much uh, yeah very much shocked surprised but eternally grateful um, to have had the privilege to apply and then to have received the award and definitely um, was something that I will remember for the rest of my life. Fantastic Harpreet and I think it is important to kind of yeah reflect in and enjoy that moment and achievement because so often what you do is focused on others and helping other people get what you know their fair go or social justice for them so can you tell us a little bit about why are you so passionate about you know social justice and issues where some people might say oh it doesn't affect me but you really stand up for it yeah absolutely when i was 10 years old and when i went to india and i saw just like injustices for the first eyes and that really AS changed me and really inspired like just getting to know about my culture and about my family how much oppression and struggle but also how much has been achieved and persevered through for me to be able to be who I am today and I guess like I really want to live up to their fight and their struggle yeah I just don't want to be quiet I just don't want to do nothing I want to show up and I'm very determined to I guess make a change and I'm very much motivated by those around me, absolutely creating a sustainable um, and a world that is safe and secure for them is what um, really drives me in. Um, and as well as my own experiences, having gone through to survive a lot of violence in my life, which has made, yeah, it has kept me um, wanting to fight back. As someone who hasn't gone through that, like I can't even imagine what it would be like to have the resilience to kind of get up and keep going. How have you been able to to do that, to face such tough challenges? There was a situation where for one day I had a very bad sexual violence situation that occurred and then the next day had an opportunity to speak out about this because I was working at an organisation. Um, I was a young advisor for this um, group and they had the sex discrimination officer coming in and I was very much... It was a situation where I could stay in my room and cry about it and be felt very defeated. But it was also a situation where I could stop this from happening to other people because I myself have been through it myself. Yeah, like in that moment, I just had to be strong, not for myself, but for those both past, present and the future. And knowing that you can never wait for someone else to show up for yourself or to fight for you. You just got to fight for yourself. Yeah, that's so hard. And it's incredibly courageous of you to, to speak out because I can only imagine how hard it would be. But you're right that by doing so, that really does try and help improve the situation. But even if it's only one person, it's worth it. 
you know, well done to you for um, for speaking out. I also wanted to ask you quickly about, you touched on it before, about going to India and then kind of connecting with your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that like to kind of, you know, have that culture? Obviously, you're an Australian with Indian heritage and then kind of go there and reconnect with it and come back. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, was that a bit of almost like a new Harpreet then, when you're connecting and you kind of identifying them as a proud, you know, Punjabi Australian? It was definitely a situation where I finally felt a sense of belonging, but also not being either Australian enough or not being Punjabi enough myself. And so, and then understanding my, like, my grandparents were refugees due to the partition of India and all that was happening. And yeah, no longer felt there was a piece that was missing. I felt finally complete in that situation. Yeah, that's cool. Steve, I wanted to ask you something similar. You know, as a Camilla Roy man, did you always have that connection, you know, with your culture? Was it something you discovered? Would you mind walking us through how that's played out in your life personally? Yeah. Look, um, I've I've always been um, proud of my heritage and it's one of those things, being out in the bush, I've always connected to that line of country. But it is one of those things, it's it's weird in Australia. My partner's Italian, um, I'm Aboriginal, but when we leave Australia, we're Australian. And that, and that, that's the different thing that comes in the culture. We, Australia's yeah. got so many backgrounds and while we're here, we're all different. But that's the way I think the world needs to start thinking about it. My best thing is if I have a stressful day and as soon as I walk outside, I take my shoes off, I go walking out in the bush, is the best feeling in the world. It connects me into into the ground, it, it, it roots and sort of gives you that part of, um that part of peace and one of those things it's 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 weird even going out in the bush you can feel the ancestors walking behind you and and the struggles because one thing i've seen over the years we've gone from a, a a people that were very victimized and and pushed into the corner and over the years we're slowly getting that little bit of power and to see what our ancestors went through to what we are today it's it's just amazing yeah that's truly special steve and gives me a lot of joy just to be having a tiny tiny little part of hearing people like you describe that and and as you said, as Australians, we are all one people and we need more of that celebrating our culture and our, you know, our history doesn't always have moments that need to be celebrated, but they need to be remembered. Yeah. And what you talked about then, I think that might help people to understand a little bit of, of why our culture is together. So yeah. um, thank you for sharing that. And, uh, you know, while we're talking about um, you know, for our First Nations people, and I want to throw to uh, Heather because I know Transgrid they seem to go above and beyond what some people might label as what you need to do in quotation marks to engage with um, Aboriginal people and, and cultures and communities. They seem to really want to collaborate and work with with people. So Heather, can you jump on and uh, speak a little bit about that? And then I know you have a question for Steve as well. Yeah, I do. Thanks for having me along today. Look, Transgrid is on a journey like many companies in Australia in terms of trying to actually forget what the political stuff is happening. Actually, we as a company, we do want to make a change and we're, we're on a, a journey at the beginning of our journey of a reconciliation process and we've got a reconciliation action plan that, that we're putting into place. But it's very early days. It's very new for Transgrid as, as well, but there's a lot of uh, heart and intent that we want to do things differently and, and set um, a different way for the future of, of how we engage and, and embrace uh, First Nations people. And so we're excited to be on that journey and, and trying to set a change. And we've got an opportunity through some big transmission line projects that are coming up to uh, try and do things differently and, and set ourselves on a different path. And at the same time, 
um, giving our staff and our contractors um, some almost basic cultural awareness training and kind of just those little early steps that we're taking. But there's certainly a long way to go to have real genuine uh, ongoing uh, two-way beneficial relationships moving forward. Um, so we were really excited to be able to sponsor Steve and so excited with his wins and, and the overall great big win as, as well. And really very extremely impressed with what Steve has achieved in his life to date. Uh, and really showing that the construction industry can uh, play a really vital role in changing people's lives and improving them and giving back to the community at the same time. So I do have a, a question for Steve. So, um, so I've, as I've mentioned, we've got some big projects coming up and, and they will produce opportunities for jobs within New South Wales. And, and what we sometimes find is that the local communities and the local people aren't always job ready uh, to kind of take up the construction job opportunities and sometimes it can be really simple things that prevent people from participating in opportunities and just really interested in what Black Rock Industries does to make you support Indigenous people to be job ready. Yeah so there's, there's a few ways we do it. Um, our traditional advertisement and a lot of people look for jobs on SEEK. Uh, we found a lot of the youth actually more into Facebook so we always advertise on our Facebook page. I think the biggest things is it's it's a job readiness so it's about uh, dividing up what your your jobs you're looking for. One thing I've found traditionally, some of the more low-skilled spots, they're good starting opportunities to give people that sort of bit of progression about to come in. But it's it's about everything. It's about pre-planning, working with community, and also to working out ways to create clear path lines. Um, what we've done is we're actually done jobs days where we've actually gone the community and we've had people that are tendering for projects and we've worked with them to actually help them find candidates and and what we've done is we've put them onto the right people. Some people use a lot of contract basis in their employment, and we've found traditionally they'll normally go and say, hey, look, we've got this big project coming up, so everyone goes and applies for the big company, but it's the subcontractors where we need to get it in, in, ingrained. So it's about working with your subcontractors to be able to go, look, we want people that have opportunities to help Aboriginal people progress, and this is the way of stepping forward. And it's about working in with um, government organisations that do have funding there for courses and education skill sets and all that sort of stuff, because one of the biggest things I get a phone call all the time, they say, Steve, I'm after 10 Aboriginal electricians. And I said, I'd have better luck trying to get you 10 unicorns because our mob haven't had those opportunities before. And these are where we need to start these opportunities. And that's what I say to people all the time. We need to get our youth up. So these apprenticeships are coming up. Let's make a percent of your workforce to be Indigenous focused so we can actually reserve those positions. To mm -hmm. be honest, I've, I've got a mindset in my head, but the time I die or in the next 20 years, I don't want to see female participation. I don't want to see Indigenous engagement. I don't want to see any of it because I hope that eventually we get to the normal. We just do it and we make it work. But for the next couple of years, we've got to work on these programs of working that diversification. But the other thing is, too, is clear honesty. I find a lot of sites, they don't feel honest about telling us if we are doing something wrong because they feel like it's a bit, I don't want to step on that line or I don't want to be a bit racist. We'd rather know about it because we can't fix it. And as I said, we learn from our mistakes. We don't learn from our wins. And that's how we need to go forward. Oh, that's fabulous. Look, you, you mentioned um, the incarceration program that you run and the program for those, those inmates. Can you tell us about some of the successes that you've seen in that program and in people's lives? The one thing that I've seen is it's getting people into habits. And I've learned, learned it from young to old. It doesn't matter. If you've got a habit, know that you've got to turn up to work every day. You get people in that repetition. It works really well. But some of the lives from some of the guys we've had come through, like we've had guys that have literally gone to prison just because they were homeless and it was somewhere where they could actually go and get food and shelter. 
We've had guys that come through for all different backgrounds. But one thing I've learned from the start is everyone generally wants to actually have a go in life. They just need a little bit of help. And that's what we found for the guidance and that bit of support. But also, too, it's the friendly places that we send it to. I've got some of the most amazing clients. And I always say my clients is what helps the success of what we have because we're not just a tokenistic gesture. When we send people to a workplace, we want our people to be happy and to be safe. We don't do it from a dollar standpoint. We, it's great to make money at the end of the day. But I could have a $100 million contract tomorrow. And if my guys were treated like crap on that site, I would, I'd can the contract the next day because that's not what we're about. We're about providing those opportunities of sustainability, but helping people progress because at the end of the day, we stop that gap. And a lot of the guys I've had come through the prison system have been family generational into the prison system. And we need to break that. And that's how we're going to do it. But giving yeah. people jobs, opportunity, but you give people the tools in life. We talk about mental health and stability. A job is the best way to have that. If you've got a good workplace you go to, that's 90% of your day that you're awake is where you're at. So that's where we need to get people in that right mindset to step forward. Oh, that's great. And where to from here, Steve? What are your hopes for the future? Look, I, I want to expand across the board. I, I'm, as I said, I'm hoping to do a huge thing on incarceration through Australia. I'm actually looking at a disability nursery soon to actually give opportunities to people with disabilities for employment. I want to grow out of not only the Australian market, but I want to actually go to New Zealand. I want to go to America and I want to actually expand this into a global outcome. So we're helping not just my mob, but we're helping the Native Americans. We're helping the, um, from everyone from other Native areas to actually get those opportunities. Because it's, it's, it's a one mentality. I think everyone always asks me, how come your program works and how come it, it's got such great success? Because I said it's basic. Everyone tries to reinvent the wheel. Let's get people into jobs. Let's get people the opportunities. Let's give them people purpose. Because it's one of those things that's proud. When you're sitting there at the dinner table and go, how was your night on the weekend? Uh, how was your week? It's like, oh, I've been really busy at work. I was catching up with Jono the other day. It's, it's everything. It's one of those things that we can do to, to really grow some really good things. Good change. Good wishes you all the very best, Steve. No, thank you very much. And it's amazing what you guys are doing too. I've um, I've had a look into uh, a lot of the programs you guys are running. And look, I can't wait to see the journey that you guys are on as well and what you guys can achieve. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. And, and thank you, Steve. You know, Steve, thank you for talking so candidly. Um, it's really great. I want to throw back to Sophie because, uh, and uh, one thing I remember from the online event, uh, Sophie, is when you uh, were announced as the winner, I think you were a bit worried. You were a bit worried about some background noise, if I recall correctly, because you had, <laughs> even though we couldn't gather in large numbers, um, you know, for indoor events. And uh, I think you had a bit of a COVID safe party going on. Can you tell us about who was there and, you know, and more so what those people mean to you as supporters uh, on your journey? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I was really worried about background noise. You're not wrong. I was lucky enough that um, my partner's mum looks after the retreat at Wiseman's. So we were actually donated the restaurant to use in a COVID safe manner. So we were able to draw your squares out and have X number of people per square meter. Um, so we actually all watched it together and I had 40 people were there um, to watch it all together. And the funny part was we were, I actually went out to another part of the conference center and the, and the restaurant uh, totally separate to everyone else to find out um, about whether or not we'd, we'd, I'd won. And um, I could actually hear everyone cheering in the next room. I guess you kind of hit the nail on the head, Josh, in terms of what those people mean to me. It's all good and well to do do great things for your community and it's 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 all good and well to do that. But if you don't have that support system around you and you don't have those people to celebrate your highs, your lows, your your exhaustion, um, your next step, it 
it really doesn't mean anything. Um, so I'm really lucky that I had family, friends, my partner, his family did a fantastic job setting it all up, same with my family. So, And I had colleagues and people who had actually supported me along the way and people who had been those first followers to the project, which I guess there's the old um, there's an old video of, of the dancer that that starts dancing and it's, it's a video about leadership. I'm not sure if anyone's seen it, but it's there's one person that starts dancing and the true leaders are the people that follow that person and the second and third dancer that join the join the dance. And that's when you get momentum and that's when things actually happen. So those were my followers and those were the people that believed in me and I couldn't have done it without them. That's a good analogy and I haven't seen that, but it makes complete sense. Is that how it kind of was when, you know, you're going from, well, we're going to get one deep in and now all of a sudden we got 22 and you got 20, correct me if I'm wrong, roughly volunteers and people working with you. Is that kind of how it played out where it was just as you told people about it, as they heard about it, the momentum just kept building? Western Sydney Uni said to me, all right, we'll come out and we're going to have a meeting with the community and we're going to, you've got to get some interest here. You can't just do this on your own. I begged so many people to come to this meeting and there were so many people that didn't show up. And in fact, I ended up with my dad and his best friend were my two community reps. I guess it even up until the last kind of six months, we really didn't get that momentum until people go, oh, hey, you've just put your... 15th how many oh there's other defibs around and you're going yes there's 15 let me sit you down and show you where they are and so I think until people start saying oh wait what you're doing works um I, it's hard to get that momentum but now we're getting contacted from people from other communities saying oh well why can't you come and do it with us and it's like well this didn't happen overnight it's a it's a really long ordeal and it's and it's a lot of time and a lot of effort but I think that's takes us to where we're taking it now um, in terms of trying to to engage as many communities across the state that's interested as possible because we do have that momentum and we do have that poten potential and we do have those resources to fulfill those goals now. Um, so yeah, yeah, you're right in terms of getting a few followers, but I think it took a really long time um, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, well, that makes it all the more Fantastic that you're able to get it all across the line because it does not sound easy um, what you went through to kind of make it all happen and, you know, showed real resilience to kind of, you know, I know exactly what you, what it's been like when you have a small community event and you're pleading with people to come along, support this. You know, we've had launch um, or little morning teas where we were trying to tell a community about, hey, you can nominate in these awards. In Kalgoorlie, we went down to the local golf course and we had a regional awards that we were running and we just wanted to interact with the community there. Um, yeah, it was basically ringing around people, come on, come to this event, there's free morning tea. Like we have, to, we have to sell you on a free donut anyway, but I know exactly what you mean. And it's really hard. So kudos to you for sticking with it. Harpreet, I, uh, I wanted to ask you a quick question because we actually had one of your sponsor reps, Ray Ellis, the, the gentleman who presented you with your award. He sent through a question because he couldn't be with us today, but he really wanted to ask what motivated you at such a young age to kind of strive for the success. And I think we kind of covered that with your trip to India, being inspired, connecting with your culture. And then on top of that, you know, some of the challenges you faced. But do you want to have a go at answering that, you know, if you've got another approach to it? So in terms of what motivates you? Absolutely. I'm motivated by being the first 
female my whole entire family to finish high school and go to university and motivated to break the chain, the silence, the shame and the stigma that exists with social issues in our communities. Um, And that's what's motivated me from a very young age to, I guess, be involved, to show up and to fight for what I believe in. For the second question that Ray had sent through, it was, what would be your message to others who wish to step up? Mentorship, having someone to help guide you in this space has been something that's very much I've been grateful for um, when it comes to being in a leadership position. Uh, Very important to have someone to look up to. Anyone can be a leader, you just have to believe in yourself and who you are, believe that you are enough. And with awards such as these and applying for awards such as these, taking a moment to reflect because so often we're so caught on to what's next, what's something. Notice how far you've come, notice what you've done and for that to then inspire and help empower someone else. I definitely would love to show people that, yeah, like a brown Punjabi girl, Australian, um, is able to, I guess, win an award such as this and to show that anyone can do it um, and there shouldn't be any barriers to uh, doing what you love and achieving what you want to achieve. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what you and and Steve, uh, some of the messages you shared with us today, that anyone can do it and everyone should have the opportunity to do it. Um, And Steve, you know, coming back to you, I loved what you said about hopefully in uh, down the track, we're not going to be talking about ratios or or getting you know programs where we have to get people involved. It's just going to be the normal um, kind of kind of situation. And you know, with your now position as the New South Wales and ACT Young Achiever of the Year, um, you know, I'm really excited to be working with you and um, having you as an ambassador for the program because your message is so important, um, Steve. So, you know, one thing that we're going to get you doing is joining our judging panel for the Young Achiever Awards next year. I guess then putting you in the seat of uh, of being where you, yeah, you were the recipient of. And if I can ask you a question on that, kind of on the topic of judging, it was that the judges saw in your application and you as a person that made that made them think, yeah, this is the Young Achiever of the Year. Look, to, to be honest, I, I think it's the underdog. Look, I started with nothing. And, and I admit to, to that, I said, um, I think it's like everything in life. We all have barriers, but... One of those things, I don't think um, we should let anything hold us back in life. I think we can achieve anything. We put our minds to it. And I think we're the generation to do it. Like, Jinx, we look back and our parents' day was work your ass off, buy a home, get a thing, have a family, pass it on to the next and the keeps going forward. We're now in the generation now where we, we can think of outside the box. We've got more technology. We've got more opportunity of progression. And it's the, it's the way of the world. I, I think, as I said, it's just one of those things that's – um. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see what I do. I, I love what I do and I love that I can help so many people. I don't think I'm amazing for it because on this journey, I've met so many amazing people and heard so many amazing stories. And I just I think every every year we get it closer into that right direction on, and how we can actually do some change. So, look, it's it's one of those things I'm looking forward to next year to do some of the judging. But I think it's one of those things um, it's going to be very hard. And I think that the judges this year was a very hard decision, too, because there's so many amazing finalists that that came up. So. Well, Steve, I wasn't in that room, luckily, because I don't envy the, the choices and the work that the judges have to do. But I can say that the ethos of the Young Achiever Awards is all about 
and it's the same with this podcast, is recognising ordinary Australians who are doing extraordinary things. And that's, to me, exactly why the three of you were all selected as winners, because you are all you know, ordinary Australians. I mean that in the absolute best possible way, and you're doing extraordinary things. So, um, Sophie, I want to come over to you quickly as well and, uh, and just ask you a similar question that some others have received. What's next for you? Um, are you still finishing off your degree, for example? And yeah, what's kind of planned for, for the rest of this year and maybe into next year as well? So I think for me, um, I just started with New South Wales Ambulance as a paramedic. So I've actually started full-time work amongst all of this stuff that's been happening, which is really exciting. But moving forward, I guess, for the next next year, I'd love to see more communities come on board with the project. I'd really like to see us expand. We're currently trying to work with um, a major sponsor to take us statewide. Um, but I think it's important to keep chipping away at it and keep keep encouraging and the communities and promoting the importance of community access or public access to fibrillation and the fact that I can make the same difference that you or, you or anyone else can in the event of a sudden cardiac arrest. That's really important that people need to know um, that I might be a paramedic, but I use the same tools that, that anyone else would use. So yeah, for me, I'm focusing on the start of my career, my formal career, um, and keeping on moving with the project um, as, as a not-for-profit organisation and expanding further to just see how many we can get out there and um, how we can work with the different ambulance services to make it to make it um, a sustainable project and to make it something that will potentially save a life. Well, it sounds like a very exciting and very busy you know, time ahead of you there, Sophie. So okay. I'm wishing you all the best with that. Thank and you. Uh, Heather, I just want to come back to you and ask if there's uh, you know, any final message from you and, uh, and Transgrid and I guess if you want to be bold and say what kind of uh, applicants you're looking for in the next round of the Young Achiever Awards in the Transgrid Indigenous Achievement Award. It's been an honour to play a very small part in um, celebrating the success of these, these young achievers and they've been so inspirational um, really just to us older folk. <laughs> so thank you for the leadership that you're giving to all ages of, of the community and the impact that, that you're having. And certainly Transgrid is looking for those things that do have a long-term sustainable impact on community and people's lives. And that's really key. We do have a, a long-term business and assets that sit in, in the community for 60, 90 years. And, and if le young leaders can make similar kind of beneficial benefits to people's lives in the communities, that's really what we're looking for. So really excited to be part of it and to see the exciting things people are doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Heather. So before we wrap up, I just wanted to throw it out to Sophie, to Steve, to Harpreet, if you had any uh, questions or comments to each other. Yeah, uh, look, Harpreet, actually, I've, I've written down your details. I was actually just looking up your uh, contact information because, look, I think there's um, some really good ways of working together in the future. I think there's some great possibilities. And the same thing with Sophie. Look, I, I reckon that's fantastic. And I said, one of those things, chasing funding points, I know how hard it is. I said, my, my program actually cost a, a near a total of $600,000, which has been funded for our organisation. So I know how expensive and how hard it is. Um, and look, there's any way in the future that you guys ever need um, advice, contacts or any information and way that I can support. I'd love to, to see exactly what you guys can do because 
Sophie, I think it, what you do, it literally, it's 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 anything we're trying to do ourselves out of a job. Like to me, I literally don't want to have, have to put inmates on in the future because well, there's no guys going to prison. Your way of looking at it too is you're trying to help people to better help themselves and and provide those tools. So I, I think it's amazing and, and Harpre, as I said, for for the stuff you're doing for for minority women and that to help progress. It's it's one of those things in the future because it's one of those things as youth we we stand by as leaders and ways to progress. And I just think it's amazing to see what you guys are doing. Thank you much, Stephen. Yeah, yourself as well, Sophie. Yeah, you both are amazing and we we'll love to stay connected to all of you guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. Same same on my part. I think what you guys have done is fantastic and I, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about it. I think it's, it's very surreal for me. I think one thing that we all have in common is the sense that when we still live in this day and age where sometimes when you come up with these ideas when you're young, it, it sometimes takes a little while to get people to take you seriously. I think we've all been in that same boat where where it's taken a little while for people to really, I guess, understand where we're coming from and get that funding um, to back you and to make it happen. And, and same for you, Harpreet, to get people to, I guess, believe and you get that sense of um, belonging and that sense of achievement. Um, so I think that's something really special that we all we all share, that you're not alone. It's taken us all a long time to get here and a long time for people to take us seriously. I'll, I'll give you this one too, Sophie. Um, I said I don't just grow this beard to, to look like a good-looking rooster, but um, I literally had to grow up because at 25, it's very hard to walk into clients and say, how about giving someone young an actual opportunity to a bit of progression? So I had to look at it. I literally I, I kept getting caught on. 40 50 down the line i even got walked down the street one day with my dad and someone said your son i went no no i'm the son he's the dad but in the same way it's one of those things that said that it's hard being youth and it's hard to be taken serious but once we can show people what we can do we'll break that stereotype and we'll push forward and we'll change the world yeah i just wanted to also add on just for anyone just to apply um and to believe in yourself and for if you, even if you don't win what's the worst going to happen i guess that winning itself um, putting yourself out there, yeah, standing up for who you are and what you've done. I guess that's something I would um, like to share. And yeah, definitely important to empower each other, as we all have just done just then, to um, and support each other. Because um, in this world, it so often young people have to be in competition with each other, um, and just showing that, yeah, just making sure that we are empowering each other and fixing each other's crowns and. Um, yeah, celebrating each other's successes. Yeah, that's right. Celebrating each other's successes is so important. And as Australians, so often what I see through being involved with awards like this is that people are a little bit afraid of the, you know, the old toll poppy syndrome and appearing to have an ego. I just want to stress that I, in my personal opinion, it's completely fine and should be encouraged to celebrate success and to share that because it's not about saying I'm better than you. It's about look what we can achieve. And if we are happy and stand by our successes and our achievements, then we're all only going, only going to expire others. Um, and I think that's a really powerful message. So I want as many people to be inspired by you guys as possible. So at this point in the podcast, I often will say, how can people connect with you and follow your journey? Sophie, then go to Harpreet and Steve. Um, and even if it's as simple as um, just follow me on LinkedIn, then I think that's that's cool. Yeah, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can contact me um, via email, so sophie at communitydfoodproject.org.au. 
all our information's on our website, which is www.communitydfoodproject.org.au. And we've got both Instagram and Facebook, which is Community Defood Project. Yeah, and uh, for everyone, just um, so you know, we'll put those contact details in the show notes for when the podcast goes live. So, Harpreet, over to you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Harpreet's Memento. Uh, you can follow my LinkedIn as well, Harpreet Cordillon. Um, and also, as the president of the Women's Collective at Macquarie University, been doing a lot of work with fighting against the cuts there and have recently actually saved gender studies and social justice. So if you want to follow our journey to fighting for the other courses that's been cut um, and also fighting for yeah, the staff and students' um, voices, uh, follow us on Macquarie University Women's Collective on Facebook. Thank you, Harpreet. And Steve? Uh, look, uh, multiple ways. Uh, Facebook, always feel free. Uh, email steve at blackrockindustries.com.au. Um, even with Facebook, blackrockindustries.com um, with Facebook. But uh, LinkedIn, any way possible. But I want to reach out to all you, for anyone out there that having a bad day, just needs someone to have a call, feel free to give me a yell. I, I literally probably take 60, 70 calls a day. So I'm happy to help in any way possible. And any young entrepreneurs out there or anyone wants to do something for the community, feel free to reach out because in life, as I said, the, the, we don't fight over party pies, we fight over apple pies. And our way of looking at it is we can help each other progress. Why not? We'll change this world. Incredible stuff, Steve. And for someone who has that many phone calls, I can uh, attest to the fact that you're actually pretty easy to get hold of. You're very responsive. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. Sophie, Steve, Harpreet, and of course, Heather, thank you for your time. And uh, yep, as far as I'm concerned, all inspirational Australians. And uh, we cannot wait to keep following your journey. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference. <laughs>